were involved in the whole spectrum of motorcycle riding, okay? So for us, I mean, that bike, it's a great bike, right? But we add a little biomechanical engineering to it and make it even better because no one has ever said, Addison, you know, this is a great bike for you. Go have fun, right? Sure. They don't adjust the handlebars. They don't move the seat up and down. They don't move your feet anywhere. These are things that make a big, big difference in our effectiveness as motorcycle riders. 100%. No one ever talks about it. Yep. Yeah. Right. So. And there's so many of them that are so easy to do. You know, so many, your lever adjustment. I mean, this stuff is like exactly. second nature. Anyone can pull it off and you should, when you first get a bike, you should new use. Doesn't matter. Check no. it out. See where it fits and what go, works. Go through the whole thing. And you know, I felt like my dad was really genius in his like, you know, keep your bike clean, you know, cause you could always see that the frame was cracked or something was ready to sure. go wrong. Especially on dirt bikes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you find all kinds of stuff. Me and street bikes off. too. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Slacker Moto Radio with Brad and Addison. Based out of the Pacific Northwest, we're talking motorcycles and the motorcycle community, and we're excited to have this hour with you. Here we go. It's an interesting thing, right? I think this is another thing that's kind of requisite of people who go to racetracks, right? It's like the racetrack is where things are always pushed, right? They're pushed to the limit. Sure. So you Just know... creates that environment. Right. <laughs> you know you know what you're ending up with. Well, you know, these parts for us, I mean, we won these Endurance Cup championships that were raced in the rain. And... Uh, the ability to stay connected to your bike in the rain. Sure. You know, proved out that we had a pretty good put peg design. Yeah. Right. That's a whole different world. Yeah. It just, I don't know. It was, it was a different kind of carrot, you know, to win a race on all these parts that uh, Steve made. Like, That's cool. Like even this. Yeah. A couple of like, this cool pipe. exhausts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exhaust pipe over here. Yeah. Some trophies on the wall. Speaking yeah. of trophies, now I was going to save this for the next time we talked, but uh, I'm, I'm liking a big Triumph clock on the mm-hmm. wall here, and yeah. I hear that there's a story associated. As a there Triumph is, rider, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I bought a brand new 2002 Triumph Daytona in, okay. two, in September of 2001. It's the 595? I don't think they were in the 600s yet, 955. right? 955. 955, okay. Yeah, a bigger engine then. Okay. Bigger engine. It was uh, a great bike. And Janice and Kelly at the, yeah, well, yep. they had a breakfast every... Yep, they still do. Right? Yep. Every so, first Saturday. Every first Saturday, the entire year, <laughs> um, they do a drawing at breakfast. Okay. And... It's all clicking. I would win. <laughs> I won every single Saturday something. <laughs> well, the clock is the grand prize that they do, they used to give these clocks away to their, um, 
you know, it's their big grand raffle yep. prize. Yep, a big one at the end of the year or whatever. Right. So right before the rally, I think it is. Right. The Baker City Rally. Right yeah. before the rally. So we have this big, uh, you know, get together and it's like, okay, we're going to raffle off the, off the clock. And, you know, I'm sitting there with my old girlfriend and I'm like, <laughs> I am winning that this year. Already walking up before they even pull the name. Almost did. <laughs> Voila. There you go. That's yeah, awesome. it was quite a night. I mean, that <laughs> clock to me has represented the grail of, like, you know, triumph for so many years. And in back of you in that cabinet is a Norton. Okay. So, that kind of heritage, I don't know, there's something. Ah. Right. I get it. I like it. I, I fell in love with the Bonneville series, the Scrambler specifically, originally, but... Uh-huh. Somehow migrated my darn way back after after everything. I'm back again, and I gotta say, for a stupid six seventy five, that thing's a riot. That's a great bike. For for you know, I thought it feels like more than that. I guess is all uh-huh. all I'd say is it, it does everything for you all. But. What were you riding before that again? Uh, well, a three hundred five. So I had a uh, no. It was at least a five hundred. <laughs> An old Honda GL five hundred. Okay. Okay. But it had dual front pistons. Or, That's uh, right. Rotors. So it was like the CX. So the CX with that was heavier, therefore they added more brakes. That's about it. <laughs> did it have air brakes or? Uh, no, it had uh, just hydraulic brakes. It did have air suspension front and rear. Air that suspension. That after about three days would Bags. basically cush out and just bottom out every. Oh. Uh, by the end of our trip, I did a long trip with it, and by the end of it, every freaking bump was solid. I was like, dang it! It only yeah. lasted three of the four days. I'll tell you, man, a bike like that would be reared, revered as a, like, you know, a grail of bikes here. I I, so some... I sold it to my dad, and I swear to you everywhere we go. No one cared when I had it, but everywhere he parks it, friggin' swarms. GL. Friggin' swarms of people. No, I disagree. Yeah, a lot of people liked it. Everybody, that was a magnet. It was good. When we took our trips and you were riding it, <laughs> they didn't care, they didn't give it crap about what we were riding. We all walked over to your bike and wanted to talk to you about it. And we're like, come on, let's go. <laughs> yeah. I remember one gas station. Come on, let's you guys go. More than one. Yes. And we're like, come on. <laughs> stop talking. We need to go. I do remember one. That, yeah, I think Brian lost it. He was done. He was, you, know, you know Brian. He likes that shade. And there was none to be had. And he was... P.S. Really? <laughs> he was not. I think he laughed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Laugh. All these gas station people are walking over to Addison and want to ask him questions about his motorcycle. It's <laughs> just an inviting, friendly bike. <laughs> Unassuming. <laughs> well, it's like your two-stroke bikes. It's a dude magnet. And where well, you go. That's the problem with the Scrambler. It was the same way, too. Uh-huh. Everybody thinks it's a 70s Triumph. Oh, yeah. That was the same mm-hmm. way. Yeah, I get that a lot with the... CT, you know. But uh, it is, it's fun, man. And that's one of the things I, you know, that's my favorite part about the podcast and just all these different facets is the community of motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Whether you're on the track, whether you're on the street, you know, there's enough guys running around doing stupid stuff. But those of us that are trying to be better and really increase the awareness of motorcycles and how cool it is on a broad spectrum, right? No matter what you're into, who cares? That's my favorite part about our group, Dennis, is... That we've got, you know, GSs. We last year we had a GL. You know, we've Harleys and Victories and mm-hmm. a 
Street Triple, and Everything. it's just freaking whatever version of bike. We could have had dirt bikes and you're, invi- you're invited. Yes. Who cares? On your annual ride. Yeah, on your annual ride. It's just whatever you got, man. If you want to come have fun on a long trip, let's do it. And, you know, this was your Montana trip, correct? This, this last year, yeah, we went out to Montana and freaking Highway 12. What a riot, man. That was cool. I still can't get over how cool that highway is. The low, low pass ride was pretty cool. A lot cool. of boats? And it wasn't too bad. No. No. It was. It, it, and it, the weather was about perfect? It was perfect. The road condition was excellent. It was really Traffic nice. Traffic was low. Traffic was pretty low. Minus so that the, one trailer. Yeah. Sparking everywhere. Yeah, I like that. Did you guys go up the Spiral Highway? No. Uh, Not this time. Yeah, we, did. we did. We did. We came around back. Mm-hmm. Because the other guy oh, dumped yeah, off to get a tire. He did. And then I took you guys through the best dirt road you ever saw. <laughs> Friggin' well, that da- Daryl was more pissed than I've ever seen him in my life. I wouldn't call it that, but... <laughs> it looked like a cool bridge, man. It seemed like the right way to go. <laughs> Sounds like a story. Ah, this was just me making up a path because we missed the turn, so I picked the next one. Which turned out to be like three miles of dirt road. What's going to happen? Well, it was good because, you know, not too long after, we ended up on a whole different kind of dirt road, forced by road construction, what, two days later. So it made my whole thing look like it wasn't a problem. There when we did the sand and the, you know, deep sand in our street bikes, everybody else forgot about my, my little detour. <laughs> so you tour, you're going to tour on the 675 now, huh? So this last year, for the Montana trip, it was on the 675. Okay. And then, but prior to that, we did a northern Washington trip, and okay. it was the uh, the GL, which is great on the corners, right? You can lean that hard and get off the seat and whatnot, but on the straights, it, you know, it, it kind of just Runs gives up. At about 7,000 RPM, it doesn't want to do much more. You feel like you're just going to go ahead and shake an engine out of the frame. You just sit there. It's like, I just kind of, you know, felt bad for these guys tugging <laughs> along behind me. They were, they were putting where I felt like I was ringing the thing out. Did it have a Jimmy Carter speedometer on it? The only one goes to 85. I think that's about right, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's a riot. It's a good bike. I still go riding with it from time to time. In fact, uh, hopefully Sunday. Talking about going out to Astoria for redoing that trip that the guys did last week. Yeah. All right. My dad and I. So, if you guys want to come, you're more than invited. Okay. I'll give you a heads up when we figure out what time we're leaving. All right. But, uh, yeah, anyway... I guess to, so there's a couple things that uh, that oh. I wanted to know before we round it out. I don't know. It's getting late here. Um, first thing I want to hear is what the craziest bike and or experience you guys have seen. You guys have done a lot of track days. I want to know what your most memorable, like, what the hell moment you guys have had throughout the years. Just because I want to know. <laughs> Brad did too, quite frankly. <laughs> it's happened to me personally. Or just that you've seen. I mean, you run a lot, so I'm sure you've seen somebody show up and either something that you're like, really? Or somebody that did something that you're like, what were you thinking? You know? Well, that whole mind-blowing in a dumb way or crazy, fun way, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be bad, necessarily. Um, whoa. I've seen a lot of different stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, boy. I think for me, that's actually happened to me was my bike that my friend <clears throat> set up to be a two-up motorcycle for me. Okay. 
it broke in half on me while I was riding it. And the repercussive force of this thing shot me through the air. Um, oh my gosh. It, yeah, it was uh, pretty spectacular. I didn't get hurt <laughs> That's at all. Word for it. <laughs> um, but the craziest thing about it was that it connected me to uh, all these other people around the world that had had the same thing happen to them. Oh, crazy. And I think the good of it was that, you know, we could all like look back and go, yeah, well, dodge that bullet, whatever, <laughs> you know, and, uh, was that on a track? I'd say it was on the track. That's crazy. Fortunately. Yeah, I did. guess that's true. Yeah. yeah I had a, a friend in England who told me that the way his broke in half while he was riding it, um, it's yeah such a crazy thing to just say right he uh rolled the correct direction so he didn't roll into oncoming traffic wow but it was just kind of that like split moment that was pretty definitive you know um it's a very good reminder to always wear the the best safety gear and I think one of my um, one of one of the things that I've used for so many years that's been just absolutely amazing is what I wear under my leathers uh, for additional body armor. Okay, and it's called Impact Safe Tees and Tom Armor. Okay, and uh, he's in Rancho Cordova, California. His name is Mike Braxton, and the the stuff that he makes is impact absorbing. So every time I've ever hit the ground with this stuff on, it's been like, wow, this doesn't hurt at all. I hope I don't hit anything, <laughs> which was when I was, you know, I was thinking that when that frame broke in half sure. on me, I'm like rolling in a somersault type fashion at a high rate of speed. And it, uh, you know, it's just like completely absorbing of any kind of, you know, hard impacts. It's amazing. It's like magic. Cool. I'd always call him up every time I'd have a interesting situation and just tell him I love him because, you know, and his motto of his company was protecting those who dare, you know, <laughs> but yeah, if uh, you ever need a, you know, next level, it's pretty reasonable too. He used to do a lot for kids who are racing Okay, and he put this whole program for the USP. GPRU um, kids uh, when I was racing. So when they'd outgrow their back protector, he'd take it back and give them one that, you know, was the right size. So great guy. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I will say that I've spent too much money. Well, I would argue not too much, but a lot of money on making sure my kids have a good, right? My, my middle child's got his 50 down path where Probably next year we're looking at an 80 or something for him. But, yeah, he's got the whole expensive neck brace that, that you know, at the time I'm like, really? But he's gone down and it's like nothing. So, yeah, good protective armor. I need to do that for myself, but it's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Craziest thing you've seen, Dennis? Well, there have been a few of them, but the thing that comes to mind is you mentioned riding on the track and, and you, you think you're riding really well, right? You think, man, I'm I'm hitting on all cylinders. I've got this down. I am in it. I'm in the zone. 
and I, I'm here. I'm in. I'm. I'm ready. So, and then you get passed. Yeah, dude. Friggin' instructors from Motofake Group. Never. Nothing more humbling. <laughs> Those guys freaking power wheeling down the street. <laughs> like really. So I'm down at Thunder Hill. <laughs> In California, and I'm riding with Carters, and I am in the zone. So I'm, I think I'm hauling ass around turn two. It's a left-hander carousel, dragging knee, and uh, pick it up for turn three, which is an off-camber right-hander, and then turn four, which is a left-hander. But there's a guy named Corey Call, who is a pro racer, and he is generally riding his BMW GS 1250 in the the medium group. (laughs) Okay. He comes riding up. He goes through the dirt between... (laughs) Four and five. Between four and five so that he can square up because turn five is a drop-off, kind of like the corkscrew, if you're familiar with Laguna Seca and Thunder Hill. Thunder Hill is called the uh, cyclone. Yeah, it's drop it's off. Fine. So if you're if you're carrying enough speed, you can actually catch air under both rims, and so he goes through the dirt and lines it up so that he can actually get a good run at it and launch jumps off <laughs> turn five right in front. All right, that would uh, be a surprise. You have to have a sense of style. Yeah. I, I hear you. So I'm on a full-on sport bike. He's, full on, a street, he's on a street bike. Yeah. yeah. That just launches. Uh-huh. Nice. I like it. I think, on what Dennis is saying, getting people to join us in uh, Northern California, like the Carter's events and whatnot, I think it... Uh, it gives people this perspective on what it means to be precise because um, if you think about this, Addison, if you think, okay, how can I make this as simple as possible so I'm not trying too hard, okay? The simplest thing you can do on a racetrack is always go to exactly the same place because then you get the most experience sure. going to that exact same place, right? But if you deviate, you're essentially writing all these different mysteries throughout the day. You just don't know. So I think what Corey demonstrates with his amazing skill set and you know focus, ability to like, the rising tide raises all boats. You know, he's kind of our guy that's like been, you know, helping all of us over the years, just, you know, really embrace what it means to be precise motorcycle riders. Right. Because if you think about it like that, you take, um, a lot of the responsibility off trying harder and, you know, trying to shake it out and try and like muster up more courage. Because going fast is not that. Sure. Right? It's like what we talked about. It's like, where am I making the slowest point of the corner? And like what Dennis talked about, how am I getting my bike picked up sooner and back on the gas quicker? Right? And 
riding in California, because we all ride so much, right? It's much different than just staying in the Northwest and riding five or six track days, right? If we're like, if we're all out there riding, you know, 50, 50 plus days a year, um, then we become a more of a resource. Sure. Right. Yeah. That's going to be our marketing strategy for this next year. It's like meet the pros of the Northwest because, you know, all these core guys at MotoFit are riding more than 50 days a year. So they really, at one point I wanted to put best student on their backs just because it's uh, more fitting that we're, you know, we all have to be in like a parasympathetic state of like learning in order to be a good instructor with anything, you know, or you're not, you're just going to miss yeah. what your target market is basically. Right. So I call these guys best students. Right. And I think that means that they're just, you know, better at um, making it easier to understand, you know, what you really need to be a, a, a safer, more effective motorcycle rider. Ride faster, less risk. I mean, that's one thing you guys reiterated many times is, right, what, yeah, what can we do to reduce the risk? And it turns out a lot of those are the same things that make you ride faster. They are. And that's, that's you know, I, that's something as someone who really, you know, I'm not going to be able to go buy a bike if I drop mine and destroy it tomorrow, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Right. But, you know, less risk is a good thing. Yeah, I don't want to go to the hospital. Less risk is a good thing, right? These are good skills to learn and, and have. So, I, you know, I appreciate that. That's a focus that I kind of picked out from Modified Group. That it's not just about being the fastest. It's about doing it right so you don't go down. And then you can be fast. You can. Because if you're on the side of the track, it's a slow lap. It is. <laughs> you're not going to beat anybody. No. When you're laying on the side of the track with a bike that's in a ball. No. So. I, I You know, I think the... Another, I'll just say, another epiphany to riding motorcycles and doing it well is to know that we all have these limitations to begin with. Like, for instance, we're all wired with a 0.5 second reaction time delay. So we need to know how we can, like, trick that out to be more effective. Like, it because this sport, it's not a lucky rabbit's foot kind of a sport, right? Sure, yeah. It's math. You're doing more or less of one thing or another to do a better, more effective job. You know, like have you have you ever had somebody? Not everybody has had this. Say, I'm not feeling it today. Sure. Right. Definitively, you know why they're not feeling it because they're riding in back of the handlebars. Yeah, sure. They're in their they're head, or tired, or yep. and they're not. They're not focused. Focused. They're not far enough out in front of the bike. And I've been there. I've been that guy that's like, I'm just not going to ride today because I can tell I'm a danger to myself and others. Mm-hmm. It's not a good morning. I'm way too tired for this and I'm not going to focus. So, I, yeah, I get it. I think that's real. You know, that. but to the same point, if you're focused, I, I say this all the time to people all day. And if my wife and other people get real mad at me, but there are very few accidents in cars and motorcycles. Because if you're really focused and paying attention to everything, uh-huh. you can generally do something to avoid it and get out of it yeah, fine. Mm-hmm. You could have done something. You generally can. And, you know, usually it's not, I had to do this. It was, you had about 20 options. If you didn't know that and you didn't pay attention, then your only option was the wall. 
right. or whatever you hit. But, you know, most of the time, there's not a meteor coming down that we can't see coming at a right. billion miles an hour. Usually there's somebody creeping out of a corner about to pull out in front of you. Mm-hmm. And if you're already covering the brake, you're ready for that guy to pull out in front of you. Or you're already right in the middle line to where even if he pulls out, you can get around him between right. the two lanes of traffic or right. whatever it is. Right. I know that a lot of people argue with me because it wasn't their fault if something happened. But, you and, and realistically it, it wasn't, sadly. right? Somebody else did something worse than sure. you not being ready to cause that. Right, right, right. But, you know, my safety comes first. Sure. So even if somebody can't drive for beans, I'm still going to pay attention and not hit them. You know, things like that. that. But to your point, if you're not focused, that's when it is dangerous to ride and, and do all those things. I think you're not the, feeling it, quote, unquote. I, I like it because... Yeah, I mean, when... That just means you're not ready. <laughs> yeah, or you're you your just not paying attention to the right things, right? It's not like it's, uh, you know, it's this great thing beyond the realm of most of our comprehension. It's something that's really tangible and very simple. It's like if you're scared and you're, you know, herky-jerky on the brakes and whatever, it's like, you're not sorted out in your intention well enough. So, like like the whole first, the number one, the R model, remember? Like, check in with yourself. Yeah. Am I relaxed right now? What a simple thing. It's so necessary. It's on your so first powerful, track. though, right? <laughs> right. Every time I'm like, no, I'm not no, relaxed. I'm not. I'm this hurts. Death. Jesus. Yeah. My hands are dying. I'm not relaxed. Right? I can't even, Especially the first few I can't sessions. grab my brakes. Yeah, uh-huh. No, I'm not relaxed. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I think that that's so transitionally, times. it's like, I mean, it's such like a, like a broad spectrum swipe at like tuning somebody into like, not trying to say, oh, use your brakes like this and put your body like this and do this and do that. It's like fundamentally you have to be at cause yourself or you're going to be worthless, <laughs> right? Yeah. If you can't just give yourself permission for a moment to like pay attention to certain things and then, you know, this is the number one thing, right? Is prove to yourself that you can hold yourself accountable and make yourself do those things and, and like measure what your result is. So you can either do more or less of one thing or another. And it's a very difficult thing to do, you know, but it kind of comes to terms with like asking yourself yes or no questions, right? To come up with like a root cause of, you know, I can change this and therefore, you know, do a better job. I mean, that's, yeah. And then on the road, I mean, tracks, tracks the same. Not accidents, but you don't hit every, especially when you're learning a new track or whatever it is, you don't hit everything right. And you got to then come back the next lap and, okay, what do I adjust? You guys talked about this a lot, right? Find that point. I love the story about the turtle. (laughs) Who who, who was that? That was was Mike Baldwin. Mike Baldwin, yeah. that He had his his break point that was this rock, right? And then he Uh was watching it and he was getting it dialed in and had it pretty dialed in. The next lap, he overshot it. Couldn't figure out why. I realized, oh, that wasn't a rock. That was a turtle slowly mm-hmm. moving further and further. So once he had it, but, you know, the commitment to that, uh-huh. you know, hey, this is what I should be doing. Exactly. You know, you've got to have that confidence and commitment to what you're doing. And not just break points, break corners. you got to commit to that corner. you got to look through the corner. Forget about the pothole or whatever and it is. What, Addison, that's the other thing that 
you know, people really don't talk about when they when they're talking about, you know, what the difference is between riding on the road and riding on a racetrack. It's like riding on the road, like you said earlier, it's like we always go where we look, right? Which is great. It works. As long right? as you're looking in the right direction, it's great. <laughs> but on a racetrack, sometimes that can hurt you. Sure. <laughs> because you don't necessarily want to look where you're going to get the longest straightaway sure. out of the next set of corners. I mean, that's similar to dirt bikes. I mean, that's one skill in dirt biking, that if you're looking where you want to go, it's too late. Right? That's You're now going to miss the next boulder or whatever it is, corner tree. You've got to be three steps ahead of where your tire is or where it's going next. But the obvious isn't always like where you should be putting your attention, yep. right? Yep. And that's so kind of the, you're like looking now instead of just like looking at the apex of every corner, which we all naturally might do. You start looking at it more critically and go, where would I make the slowest point of the corner? And try and like define where that's going to be. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So it's just, um, it's just like a road that you can um, really you know, size up in a different way that you can, you know, kind of strategically try and, um, you know, get more out of it. It's like, <clears throat> I think about finishing a corner, okay, and um, that's an important skill set to have, is how to finish a corner, all right? Sure, yeah. Seeing how Josh Hayes finishes a corner is absolutely... All anyone ever needs to see for this is absolutely, this man is absolutely the best at coming out of a corner. I've never seen like that. I mean, all those guys down there are, are pros, but watching this guy come off a corner is like legit in a way where it's so precise that it, it's like you think, okay, if I'm going to late apex a corner, I will end up with my trajectory at this point, right? So if you could take that point that you think that you might end up at and go like 3x out past that point from the corner sure. and therefore make the exit that, like that level of smooth, you know what I mean? So you're just like getting every little bit you possibly can and it's almost well, a miracle right? as i say that that comes down to that whole confidence and commitment too because you've got to know that although i'm rolling on and coming out of it i'm gonna be straight up and on the edge before i end up on the, on the wrong side of that edge but just without it's even amazing i mean i'm sure his eyes are closed you know? <laughs> yeah doesn't really take it's um, amazing a whole lot of anything it's just having that direction and you know, we'll talk about this too. It's like in a car, none of us hit the gas before we have direction. Unless we're trying to get sideways or whatever, but for the most part, <laughs> we never don't step on the gas unless we're going in the right direction, right? And on a motorcycle, all day long, you watch people hitting sure. the gas before they have direction. Sure. And that like makes it more difficult to finish a corner because now you're adding lean angle 
and acceleration, which is the opposite, right? Yeah. We want to build lean angle while we're slowing and take it away while we're accelerating, right? So it's like that relationship is is something else that's uh, worth talking about, right? Yeah. That I don't think you can really, you can't really have that interactive kind of conversation with somebody just riding around on the street because you're just not going to see it. And and quite frankly, I mean, I would argue unless you really know that spot and it's closed off and, you know, you probably shouldn't. Because <laughs> if you're pushing to the where that's an issue. That's true. You know, the second you get gravel from some car that overran the corner or whatever. Absolutely right. You're on the ground. I mean, you're sliding. Mm-hmm. And the street's the last place you want to slide. And, you know, we've mentioned that, that it's just, that can be. Be treacherous. Did you ever see that uh, that video of uh, like a road racer going around a track and crashing all these different guys, and they put like a like a bus, like superficially impose a bus? And yeah. what was that, Dennis? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been around for a long time. It's like. You wouldn't survive that. <laughs> no, sure, sure, sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, you wouldn't survive that either. No, you wouldn't survive that. Yeah, it's, uh... Yeah. Now, before, uh, before we round out, there's one thing we always do with people that haven't been on the show, and I'd be remiss if I didn't, is we talk about five bikes. Five bikes. Uh, I don't know. Dennis probably gave you a little heads up on this, but Brad and I always talk about, right, the ideal garage needs at least five bikes. Okay. So that you can hit every facet, right? Whatever you like to do. It doesn't have if you don't like cruisers, you don't have to have a cruiser. But generally, everybody wants you know a cruiser, a dirt bike, a touring bike, a race bike, right? There's like eight different versions of motorcycle. Okay. And generally, five bikes can check off all the boxes that you love. Okay. What would you put pick as your five bikes? Well, let's see. Five I know bikes. your race bike. Well, my, my race bike is like the perfect bike for that. So I've won an S1000 for sure. 2020. Um, I'd won a 2019 Husqvarna TX300 with a sweet suspension on it. Which you already have. Oh, it. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. I'd won a 2009 Chuono uh, Factory. Okay. Which you already have. Which I already have. You got to have at least one dude magnet. <laughs> so a 1974 RD350 with a brand new motor in it. Oh, you already have that too. And a radial pole master cylinder on it. <laughs> I have that though. I'd say you have to have a pony. So a 1980 CT110 is a Good way to go for that. Have I hit five? Yeah. Are you missing any facets? What are you going to tour on? Do you like touring? You may not even be into touring. That's that's okay too. No, I've been uh, I've been burning states with the Tuono. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, about eight hundred miles in a day. I'm I'm sensing you're not a cruiser guy. Not so much. Although I mean, three fifty do it. That's a it's in that class of sort. Comfortable oh. sitting and going all day, just straight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think... Um, my, my cruiser is a, is a Scrambler 1200, so uh-huh. it's not really a cruiser, but it's got that twin sound. That one's my cruiser, for sure. <laughs> so 
why I have this suit all jacked up on it. There you go. No, that sounds like a good fleet. Looks like a good fleet, too, from where I'm standing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah. I think a, a new GS at one of these points. I'm going to need a bigger garage, but that's they're so big. I defy any man to not say that same phrase. You need a garage. Everybody needs just a bigger garage. <laughs> the garages can't be big I enough. They're going to say everybody needs a GS. Oh, come on. I will fight that until I buy one. You will. You're going to buy one eventually. That's what you keep telling me, and I believe you. I'm just going to fight it until I do. Yeah, Corey's, uh, that was his <laughs> last bike that he was going to ride. He refused to demo the GS. <laughs> and his 2020 that Dennis was talking about, um, the last time I saw him a couple of weeks ago, it had 97,000 miles on it. Wow. 2020. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's, I'm impressed. Right. Back and and he's on the track on it. I he rides it everywhere. That right there, man. Mm-hmm. That says a ton. Uh-huh. What kind of a rider he is. <laughs> he rides it great, too. I mean, that sounds like it. It's super fun. He says it's uh, absolutely the best motorcycle ever. This guy seems to be obsessed with them. But everybody he convinces to buy one says the same darn thing. Yeah, you guys have quite a few guys in your crew that are right. Starting to become a stupid GS club. You're really ruining the vibe of our club. Oh. <laughs> uh, I beg to differ. Say we're, we're classing it up a bit. We're improving. Everybody's got their pinky up when they're sipping their coffee. Now. Oh, you know it. <laughs> well, you know we're you know slicing our cheese on the on the rear panniers and uh-huh. sipping our wine. Ironing your underwear. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. They drop it off to room service for that. Right. <laughs> this just got way too negative. So we're coming to the end of the year. We are. The end of the riding season, I'll say. I mean, there's always a New Year's ride. What's uh, what's in store for, for next year? What's big in plan- store for next year? plans for, for next year. Well, we're going to have to plan another ride, and that right now is all over the place. All kinds of good spots for the big ride, but uh, definitely, uh, I have to unfortunately agree with Rob's buddy who said that once you do one day, you kind of get the bug. Oh. I've been Craigslisting the crap out of track bikes. Oh, right? Oh, man. I, it's it's going to be a for? problem. I don't know. Apparently, a GS1, GSX-R1000. I know where there's 750. <laughs> well, I have that. I got 675. It's close enough. I can live with the middleweight. And I'll just probably, that's probably, I mean, realistically, what I'll do next year is keep the bike that I've got, put a few more uh, protection on it. Because what uh-huh. I'd like to do is get a better touring bike. Uh-huh. I just have that be the track bike uh-huh. for a year or two. Until, Perfectly good. Until I'm convinced quickly that a GSXR 1000 is what I should have. And uh-huh. Uh-huh. Do a straight trade on the two. Because I like it. Or the, I, <laughs> these guys. I'm sure you'll convince me quick mm-hmm. enough. It, it'll be a problem. Mm-hmm. And now that Rob got one, <laughs> Rob uh, Rob Clark, uh, the guy that came riding with us, he's, he's now bought a ton of friggin' bikes. I think he's on his third track bike since track day. So funny. <laughs> <laughs> he got the bike. Yeah, they, uh... So, 
was Alan Spike, right? Yep. <laughs> so yeah, definitely more track days. Uh, and if not, I will tell you that uh, I will likely come to more than I even ride. Because I don't know that uh, I'll be in the place to, to necessarily ride in each of them. But I, it is fun to be there. It is an expensive sport. I will say that. And I understand the difficulty. Uh, we we kind of talked about this, Dennis and I, at the track day. The difficulty of the younger generation to participate heavily in that sport. So similar to your uh, your aunt and uncle showing up in a in a jacked up travel all. Uh-huh. I rode dirt bikes as a kid. And then our family got real posh and bought Jeeps. And <laughs> it wasn't really posh. It was dirty and redneck. But nonetheless, got into the Jeep world. And I was, for years, the youngest guy in the Jeep club. I mean, I, granted, I joined at 16, which you can't be much younger and own a Jeep. But for you know, basically the whole time I was in it, I was the youngest guy, even up through 30, right? So, you know, it is what it is. And although motorcycling is cheaper, not by a ton. <laughs> oh, come on. It's way cheaper. It's way cheaper. Come tires, it's a bit cheaper, oh, but shit. the accessories are about the same price. No way. A good set of, of frame protectors is about the price of a bumper on a Jeep. How about the damage on the, on, you know, on the day on the trail? No, you don't. You just paint it. A can of spray paint's mm-hmm. a lot cheaper than new fairings. Broken axles and gearboxes. Yeah. And... That's what welders are for. The parts are bigger. You can, you can fix them with basic tools. You don't need to replace them most of the time. Right? If a rear set breaks, there's very little you can do but buy a new rear set. If uh, if you crack a depending a swing arm, you just weld the perch back on and keep moving. <laughs> You're going to do it again next weekend anyway, so why blow the money? But it, it, So, similar game, that it is a, a pricier sport. But I will say that uh, having done it now, and I, the safer student, I, that was just genius, by the way. Because <laughs> there was no saying no to me, or, you know... No one was going to convince me not to go. The two for But it was two for one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there was no question that I was going to do one last year. Or this year, I guess we're still in that year, well. aren't we? But the season's over. Um, and yeah, and so that, you know, with that, it, it does give a bug. So there's no question I'll do it again. That will not be my last track day. No question at all in my mind. Um, but yeah, beyond that, we'll see. There's a... Uh, couple of things in the works for smaller rides. I'd like to get back two years ago. I know you were kind of involved in this. We were doing it once a month. We'd have a ride. And that was the, yeah, prior to doing the northern Washington trip. We had the Lyle ride, and then we went down. I can't remember. We went to Astoria. We did a couple of different things where it was basically through the good months of the year. We had a monthly ride. It was a good full-day ride. Mm-hmm. And this year it was kind of more sparse, and I missed it. So that'll come back. I've been working a little bit. I don't know if you guys know Moto or yeah, Motoko Washugal, but there's a gentleman Sunny there, talking to him a little bit. So we'll maybe get some good setups there where we can. What's it called? Meet up. It's called Motoko Washugal. It's my favorite little uh, small town mechanic. Oh, I know. It's a little guy that kind of picked up in Washugal and has more bikes than he can, you know, shake a stick at. He he definitely has gotten very dirt bike oriented. Yeah. Okay. He he focuses heavily on the track up there. All right. But sure. he'll do right anything you drop off, he'll repair. Uh, to a point, um, he does. He has the so many things on his plate that he has the luxury of saying, "Yeah, you're native things he doesn't want to do," which is a good problem to have, quite frankly. For sure. 
But, uh, you know, so we'll try to get something set up where we can meet up there and have breakfast there, kind of a thing, donuts or coffee or have a good starting point because the gorge is a great starting point for most rides. Uh huh. So, I'd like to get that going a little bit. Of course, Mm. always the the annual ride. The Slacker Motor Ride. Slacker Motor Ride. The the big summer bash, although it's never really in the summer. Last year it was, but that was not on purpose. It can't be missed. Just a good time, right? It really. I look forward to those every year. Mm -hmm. Really, that is one of my highlights, and that will keep me on a motorcycle for lifetime. I do love touring. I love camping. Uh I like the whole aspect of it. We didn't camp at all this year. Uh, which is why I loved that I could camp on the track. It gave me my moto so camping. <laughs> I know, Dennis would prefer not to, but you know, he rides a GS. Uh huh. Who wants a tent on the back of a GS? Slow room service. <laughs> but no, a number of uh, little things like that. And then uh, trying to have actually gotten a lot more service stuff. People have been dropping bikes off at my house lately. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Friggin', apparently, I did my own tires for the track day. Now I'm. Friggin' manual labor tire tire guy. Tell you what, I've done three sets of tires since mine. Almost had a guy drop one off, so that's kind of fun to get a little experience. Uh, yeah, played with a few older Hondas, but I, I like this uh, fuel injected game. I've done both now. Really, so much nicer. Yeah. <laughs> you just don't have to worry about it. No. <laughs> the GL yeah. was always if I let it sit for a month. How many cranks will it require? Do I yeah. have to pull the, the drain? Do I? Yeah. Well, you don't have to worry about that with fuel injection. So not so much. Those newer bikes are nice. Pretty amazing. Now I hear next year there are some uh, plans for motorfit. Anything you want to let us in on before we round this out? No, no absolutely for not. You no, got it, Rob. <laughs> We're thinking five events next year. Okay. Um, five weekends from June until first weekend in October. Um, so we'll throw up the calendar here in the next month, I think. Okay, wow. And, and we're going to... Um, That's early. We'd have a season pass this year, so get ready for the holidays. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll be doing uh, gift certificates, and we're going to do... Safer Sooner Saturday again next year, so, you know, pick a weekend, we'll do it every weekend. I know Rob has to sell it, because it's his go, but I 100% vouch for Safer Sooner Saturday. Mm. Anyone listening, if you're in the Northwest, heck, if you're not in the Northwest, drive out for it. <laughs> there was a guy from Texas camping right in front of us uh, last when we were there. So How nice. I mean, come from wherever, it's well worth it. So, we do have... Something new and exciting for next year as far as uh, continuing education goes because we've had a lot of demand for um, one-on-one and this and that. So uh, I think we're going to put something something together where you'll have some one-on-one options with these, <clears throat> these great instructors that we have um, that will include some video and, you know, that type of an interaction, but the biggest news is what we're doing on um, Saturday and Sunday for continuing education of motorcycle riders. And 
we're going to keep the sorry keep the safer sooner Saturday program going on Saturday. So we'll have classroom for everybody doing that. Sure. But we'll also host a classroom for the blue group. Okay. And uh, we have basically the instructors contributing a lecture to these seven formatted lectures that we're going to offer. So we're going to have these seven, five to seven lectures on Saturday, and we'll also have it on Sunday. So you can sit in with what was somebody talking about um, steering inputs or reference points or braking or body positioning or any of these things that, you know, we all need to like consider, but you know, at the same time, I think we're going to like present it in a way where you're not going to be so distracted by this one thing that you're not going to be able to ride. You know what I mean? That's the other thing, right? It's like, how do we get through to people? So they have the biggest successes, right? All the time, you know, I'll go back to the, I'm not feeling it thing, you know? Sure. Again, you know, it's not a lucky rabbit's foot kind of a sport. And I feel like, you know, helping people through, you know, times like that. Like I, I, I remember a friend um, telling me down at Thunder Hill, he was from here, the Northwest, and I saw him out on the track. And, you know, he was just riding so tentatively. And just a mess. I'm, and so I go and grab him. I tell him, man, I'm like, hey, Ryan, what's what's going on? And he's like, oh, God, Rob, since my crash at the ridge, I haven't been able to, like, you know, get myself back. I'm like, okay, so will you ride with me the next session? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, so just meet me at pit out. You know, we'll figure out what we're going to do then, right? So he meets me at pit out. I'm like, all right, Ryan, this is all we're going to do. You're putting your bike in third gear, and you're going to leave it in third gear this entire session. Sure. And you're just going to follow me exactly where that where I go, and that's all you're going to worry about. You're just going to, like, focus on exactly where we're going, and you don't need to worry about anything else. And he's like, okay. So we go out and we did the session and kept bringing the speed up a little bit more and a little bit more. And we finally come in and now he is so happy. You know, he's just completely stoked. Right. It's like, wow, it was so easy and this and that. Right. I'm like, great, great. You know, (laughs) fast forward to the next session. I see Ryan and his buddy Dave go on out there. So I jump in back of these two guys and now, now here, here's Ryan out in front of Dave, just leading the charge, like no issue. Right. And in the end, at the end of the day, you know, his reflection on this whole thing was just that he now knew where to go. And this is so true for all of us, right? You can't lead if you don't know where to go. Sure. You can't go out on a racetrack that you have never ridden before, or you don't know where you're going on and really do a good job. You've got to like give yourself permission to learn something, right? And just like humble yourself to the experience, put your attention on some specifics and, you know, get more out of it. So, you know, you're safer, right? You're safer and you're like, you're, um, you're part of the culture at that point because 
then you're all, I mean, everybody's right. We're all riding the same. We're all doing the same things, you know. For Absolutely. me, that's what I'm. I'm really, I'm really hoping for. You know, is that we ultimately have enough people out there that understand this concept of like riding better with less risk, right? All the time. I mean, would you say? Would you say, since um, coming out and spending some time with us, that when you're like riding your bike, that your situational awareness is greater? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And well, and, uh, That's the number one. Because I think I've always been a huge proponent of being situationally aware uh-huh. beyond the bars. Uh-huh. But it was definitely a better understanding and awareness of what's More. happening, you know, underneath my butt. Uh-huh. Right? Where my tires are, where I need to be, uh-huh. you know, getting that position, uh-huh. all of that. I mean, I, I've ridden out with Jeff Weatherill, one of the guys, and when we're on the street, he's always got the same, he's still doing the same positions no matter what bike he's on and it's almost comedic but i get it now it makes a lot more sense after doing tragedy why it's muscle memory right why not just do it on every bike you know he almost exaggerates it but at the same point he's got the right body position you know he's safer safer and he's quicker right to your point safer and faster yeah because of that you know that correct form well, well not only that but he's demonstrated that when we do this, the bike feeds back confidence. It's it's providing you the right feedback. It's like, <clears throat> I like this. The bike is saying, I like this. Whereas, you know, if you're if you have the wrong body position, you're heading to the corner, you're all panicked. The bike is feeding back all kinds of negative feedback. I don't like this. Yeah. But when you have the right body position and the right inputs you're getting positive feedback. Like, this is correct. Yeah. We like this. We're, we're, we're okay here. It's like McGill says about the, um, the relationship, like how you have with your bike is like anybody in your life that you're answering to or whatever. And, you know, it's more, I mean, you get a better result by listening than you do by telling, right? So, getting a sense for, you know, how to listen better to what you're, you're doing enables you to be, you know, more strategic, you know, sure. so you can be, you know, more manipulative with your wife, you know what I mean? <laughs> and that counts, you know. We're not doing that to you, honey. <sighs> mine needs it, but that's just mine, so it's the only way I can maintain my sanity, most of it anyway. Fair enough. Yeah. No, no. I appreciate it, Rob. Thanks for joining. I appreciate oh, you hanging Addison. out with us. Yeah. We'd love to do this again whenever you want to. Done. You're totally in. Uh, you'll see me at another track day, I guarantee it. Look forward so, to that. So uh, if not, you know, if, if we don't do this again, you'll at least see me there. And we'll uh, we'll hang out. I look forward to spending more time with you. I, you know, I can't say it enough. Check out MotoFit Group. Definitely, uh, you know, go to their website. Just www.motofitgroup.com Check out their Instagram, Facebook. They're all over the place showing cool pictures of BMWs that look like they're on their side, but no, there's somebody still riding them. Yeah. It's usually Rob, as far as I can see on most of the pictures lately. Yeah, yeah. Looks like it, it shouldn't be where it is, but somehow it still still stays there. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, appreciate it. Yep, check them out. 
Uh, we'll have a link on the Facebook page, all of our posts as well. Uh, check out our, our website, uh, slackermoto.com. Check out the podcast. Past episodes, if you didn't listen to the first two, I should have said this at the beginning, but you missed them because it's preempt to what we talked about today. You can always go back and see how wrong I was then about what we now talked about. But awesome. uh, yeah, thanks again, guys, Dennis, Rob, for joining. I really appreciate your time and I uh, really hope uh, you guys have a great week. And as Brad always says, right on. Thanks for having us. We're Smiles Per Mile. Mm-hmm.